0: You're listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Novell. With the help of successful individuals across industries, Dirk breaks down the unknown parts of every vocation while highlighting the importance of finding a career where you can leverage your natural skills, passions, and interests. Now here's your host, Dirk Novell. Everybody, this is Dirk Novell. Welcome to my podcast. On with me today is a friend of mine from a long time ago, Patrick Royer. Welcome, Patrick.
1: Thank you, Dirk. It's great to be here.
0: It's good to have you. And by the way, Patrick or Pat? Because I I always called you Pat.
1: The older I get, it's it's more Patrick. But I want you to call me by the name that you remember me by. All right. I'll call you by Pat. And also uh, by, your, by your main tight end.
0: That's right. Exactly. So Pat <laughs> and I went to high school together. And just a little backdrop on him before I flip it off uh, back to him. He's just one of those guys like, you know, we had a really small high school. Really, really great class. And Pat was one of those guys I... I played sports with, um, but what I loved about Pat was he had his range of skill sets. Like he was not only a really great athlete, super nice guy, but talented musician. Uh, one of the first guys I ever really saw breakdance in public, and uh, I thought it was pretty cool. And, and I hope it comes back. Uh, but Pat was just that, one of those dudes that could do it all. And, uh, anyways, you know how life goes. People graduate, move on. And then years ago, I kind of rekindled it with Pat. I saw him at a reunion and one of those guys that I wish I could see more, but I was really excited to have him on because he's uh, a different flavor of a guest that I've had in terms of his background. And to be honest, it's uh, it's an industry that I know very little bit about. So I'm going to be asking some dumb basic questions, but Pat, why don't we do this to start it off? If um, you know, you're sitting at a coffee shop or whatever and, Someone just ask you what you do. How would you uh, How would you articulate that? Sure,
1: uh, I am a, a research scientist at a national laboratory. Uh, the focus of my expertise right now is in natural hazard event response and recovery. Things like hurricanes, floods, uh, major power outages across the country—that that sort of thing.
0: So then, okay, so your skill set or your role is, there's probably a lot of an analysis done to like, understand, like, say, Puerto Rico, you mentioned earlier. Right. right, right. So are you trying to come up with strategies to minimize the damage? Or are you most of like a post post uh, event issue? Like, okay, this just happened. And now I got to come in and figure out how to you know minimize the whatever like are you like and by
1: the way who who hires you or is it governments right right uh so let me answer the last question first um uh, uh much of the work is federally funded like you say so department of energy uh there's a there's a sub entity uh post hurricane maria which is called uh recovery and response so it would it would be down those lines we do we do write i do write quite a bit of proposals uh through academia and uh, natural science foundation uh we also work with private industry as well okay so like
0: what do you I, i'll ask it again because I'm, sure. I'm still trying to understand it like mm-hmm. they they hire your company and they are saying listen we need to look at the future and the past of like natural mm-hmm. disasters and mm-hmm. Energy and like, are you so then they call you and they say, Okay, we need a, a project done. Is that like a year-long process? I mean, walk us through a typical project. I mean, how long are you with them or sure. is it a yeah. five year program? And like, what exactly are you doing? Like, I know you're kind of the lead guy, but what does that mean? Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, so typically that's what we call a period of performance, and it's usually bound on the start and end by fiscal. So our fits, our fiscal starts every October. Uh, more often than not, these are uh three to five year studies. It's it's less less typical to have something that goes 10 years. Uh so uh they're at least a year, if not longer. Um my role is a principal investigator. So I kind of uh, lead a team of scientists that is um that has worked on the study. Uh and there's all different kind of flavors of scientists in there that would do something. So my expertise within the natural response and recovery is actually data scientists. So I do a lot of cloud architecture, a lot of on streaming analytics type stuff, big data ingestion. Uh, then we have a separate group, which are SMEs, subject matter experts. And these would be people that uh, specialize in the electrical grid. Uh, power recovery, uh, transformers at the, you know, the transmission and distribution level. So I kind of run that entire group uh, and see that the project kind of makes it way from start to finish.
0: Okay. So three years maybe is an average or maybe. That's, a,
1: yeah. Yeah. About three years. Let's okay.
0: Say. So you guys do this three year report or this analysis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then in a simplified version, here's the report. San Juan, mm-hmm. Puerto Rico, or whatever. Yeah. Um, what is it? What are you like? Is it? Walk me through. Like, what is it? The solution comprised of is it? Like, are you telling? I mean, are you telling them to put in new roads? Put right in new. Like, what exactly are you proposing? Sure. Right.
1: Uh, well, there's two parts. There's typically a report, and with the re- kind of a technical uh, report or a summary of what you found, uh, there are also publications along the line. So there's there's publications that you're targeting for peer review with journals. And that just kind of makes the from an academic perspective, it, it, the whole study is a bit more robust when you do that. But the other part of what I do is actually developing online tools. So they're they're typically cloud-based tools, end uh, in analytics. So during this period, uh, we won't wait till the end of performance, but we'll be delivering tools and productionizing tools. And these are tools that uh, our sponsors and our partners, in the case of Puerto Rico, for example, this is Lumen energy and they will use these tools so there'll be some level of password protection some word of security around the data but but they will actually run their analytics with tools that we provide so separate from some maybe more typical uh you know projects is where you have a study period you have some elicitation uh you have some kind of cyclical work and then report. This is what I do is more we produce tools and productionized tools. So these are tools meant for some near real-time or real-time analytics, you're streaming data, you're looking at data. Um, And then there's usually a a companion report that comes with it.
0: Okay. So if someone has these tools in play and they're watching, Mm -hmm. is it something as maybe, okay, we're monitoring temperature 200 miles off the coast, and you know like hurricane we all know what hurricanes are is that is that the kind of data that okay
1: Yep, you got it you nailed it
0: okay so kind of Mm -hmm. taking it back home a little bit i'm just curious you know i had this conversation the other day uh with a gentleman we were talking about i just love the northwest um i like sun but i don't like heat humidity i don't like snakes crocodiles (laughs) so
1: like florida is not your place no
0: no my dad used to play football there too uh but my um I like it here. Uh, and so we we're talking about like, what are we, what are we scared of here? Like what, what could get us? And we talked about like earthquakes and tsunamis. Yes. Yeah. So like, would a tsunami be a, like a, an example of like, hey, we need help on what happens if ocean shores gets hit or something like sure.
1: that? Yeah. Is
0: that something that uh, you would do? Well- or-
1: well, I I think here there tends to be a lot of emphasis on the Cascadian fault line, right? Okay. So we're we're then then we're talking something like uh, uh, land landslide and subsidence that type of thing. Um, so the tsunami type front that's not my field of expertise. I'm not going to speak with a lot of authority on that. Okay. Although geologic subsidence and that kind of stuff is, I do have a background in that. So. Um, uh, there are so many server farms all around Eastern Washington, you know, all the, all the large companies that I think that they're pretty sure that, that, that we're not at high risk of that type of thing. Okay. Um, but Hey, I'm like you, I love the Northwest and, and, and I, and I'm, I'm not scared of anything at this point.
0: Good. Um, so let me ask you about like, you know, I knew you back in the day mm-hmm. and we're kind of rekindling it. Uh, what is it about you? Like I didn't, you were so it's interesting, I guess the way I can say it is you're super social athlete, musician, and now what you're talking about, like your background, your life is very like scientific data-based. Like I didn't know that side of you back in the day, like, where yeah. did that come from? Was that just something that you grabbed? Like hydrology was your major at yeah. U of A like, where did that come from? Was that just yeah. a fascination of yours?
1: Yeah, I think this this may be kind of the sort of the meat of this discussion that I think is, you know, may offer the most benefit. Um, it really came out of my desire to be outside as much as possible. Uh, everything I do and I have done has been the product of hobbies, things that I love to do. And, and that's and I still pursue those things and I pursue them every day and they and they are uh, they're a source of energy for me. So interestingly enough, I had kind of uh, kicked around for a bit. I had a lot of wanderlust after high school and, and, you know, went to different places. But I thought at some point I needed to get serious and start making a living. So I love the outdoors. I love climbing, love skiing, um, uh, just to, just about anything, cycling, mountain biking. So uh, when I went back to school later on, I thought, is there something I could do for a living that I could be outside over? time? No, so that, that's that's how that's that's how it kind of came. And the other part was I, I struggled, uh I I struggled immensely in school because I, I had a pretty serious focus issue because I was all over the place. However, math is something that I could I could do pretty well without trying. So uh when I went back to school and back to graduate school, the the, the math and science came really easy and I have no idea why. Uh, so that kind of converged with my sort of uh, my passion for outdoors. And I thought, wow, maybe I could do something for a living that I could be outdoors uh, all the time. So I, I, in fact, did that. My second degree was wildlife biology. So I worked as a wildlife scientist and, you know, studied mountain lions, pumas, rattlesnakes, all kinds of stuff and hiked all around. <laughs> so that was really fun stuff. Um Although that had kind of a honeymoon period with it. I was already married and I think we had our first child. And so I was gone for two weeks at a time into the back country. So uh, things slowly transitioned, you know, back to more uh, sort of analytics, data science part. Of
0: it, so. I really like, <laughs> I, so sometimes I don't know where these conversations are going. And I like, yeah, what, yeah. I like what you said. And I think you're right. I think that's the meat of this podcast is you just kind of like, sometimes the signs are there. Like it's obvious, like you love the outdoors and you created a life, a career around something that you're passionate about. Um, And I think that's really great. I mean, this podcast is a lot about advice. uh, Like what you'd say to somebody that's struggling, trying to, I don't know what the hell I wanna do. And and it can be frustrating, it was for me. But like i think your advice or what you just said is really good to pay attention to is pay attention to how you spend your saturday you know when you have a whole day to do nothing or pay attention to like what makes you a better version of yourself like when you're around your kids your wife and you just seem happy or whatever and it's now that i kind of connect the dots you every time i see on social media you're hiking i know you love to play golf and i've always thought huh what is he doing like with his and now it kind of makes sense um and then you also have the skill set of just the mathematical numbers, whatever. Um, what what's your day like? Like, okay. And by the way, I, I don't want to forget saying this, but okay. when I was reading your bio, sometimes, and I I'm not the smartest, I'm not the dumbest guy, but it sometimes it takes me a few times to like really like once I get it, I get it. But sometimes it takes me a while. Like, okay, what is what exactly does Pat do? But you know, you know what I thought after reading it, I thought of those movies. Where they have end of the world disasters, uh, mm-hmm. and they call they call in this good looking scientist or this dude, <laughs> and and no and, and then no he way. puts together this special team to save the world. And I almost feel like that's your future, maybe a, a movie or on oh, you, oh. but but you know, like whether it's like a, a specialty of geology yeah. or whatever. Um, but in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, this is kind of kind of cool what he does. Um, Tell me about your day like you said you're standing up all day doing zoom calls yeah. who, who, who are you talking to what are you talking about i mean is it data driven or does it i mean do you consider it fun is it boring i mean how, how would you right. describe your day
1: right um so i so the standard day is it's different uh, by day is it's different every day and of course every week looks a little different what I try to do is kind of the real cognitive heavy stuff first thing, right? I'm up, a little quiet time, cup of coffee, and and before I even check email, which is that's an art form in itself that I don't have mastered. I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> I need an email person. Uh, so if there's any real cognitive heavy stuff, and that's normally publications and proposals, it's the stuff you need 100% of your full brain to do. And so I try to knock that out before meetings start because you know once you start meeting, you go know, 100. different
0: um, so Okay. So who are you meeting with? Like, what are the specialties or job titles of people go. you meet with?
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, so uh, I guess, so the funding entity we call sponsors instead of clients, that's a little more appropriate. So every day there's normally a sponsor meeting. And this is the, uh, this is kind of the product owner of who you're working with. And you're, there's always an update. Hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's how it's going. Here are our next steps. Um, I'm meeting with I have let me see. So I have eight direct reports. So the people I work directly with after those eight direct reports, there's another 20 or so kind of indirect reports. So the eight direct reports we meet throughout the day on sort of status and updates. uh, subject matter experts in certain areas. We'll have a couple meetings throughout the day. Um, I got to throw like a project coordinator meeting in there somewhere. Some it, Sometime during the week, I, I have to take the blinders off and look at the budget and see how we're doing there. <laughs> so yeah. so that, that's kind of thrown in there. Um, so where it seems like maybe two days are entirely consumed with meetings, uh, those mornings, you know, being like I said, the heavy cognitive stuff, I always leave a couple days a week just to dig in and do some work and, and stuff. Okay. And you mentioned fun and it is fun. I mean, meetings can only be so fun to a certain point. And I think with video meetings, it's a little more intense, a little more taxing on the brain. It just, you know, you're doing it all day long and it does get fatiguing so i think i need to block time out for myself and, and do other things um so i do more data science than 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 typical pis and pms because i like it it's fun you yeah. know it's like solving a puzzle yeah
0: So i wonder like you're so creative like you know you got the music um mm-hmm. deal and uh mm-hmm. and what you're explaining to me doesn't feel very creative Uh, And I'm not saying anything bad about it. It just, it feels like kind of a departure of like, if I was to guess what you would have, like, I could have seen you being an agent, you know, for a a label or something or in a band, music band. Is it, is it like opposite sides of the spectrum, but you like to play
1: on both sides? Right so the band thing and the music thing that is my first love and still is my first love so uh you know i don't know and it's interesting thing about the national lab is there's a surprising number of musicians and artists and actors in there so i i really don't know i would think there's a real natural complement between science and art so you can not see my office but i have guitars behind me and the piano right there and sometimes i'll sit down and noodle around on the piano for a bit and just kind of empty your brain out from the other things so i mean i you know i love music um so no but boring no it's not it's not boring at all i i don't i don't think it's boring um you may get bored at a data science conference but but it's pretty compelling i think the way that certainly the cloud has changed so much i mean think about it when we went to college the first time was there internet no (laughs) i mean you know things have just changed you know yeah no
0: and by the way i don't i'm not at all saying it sounds boring what i'm saying Uh, is it's so boring no it's interesting to me but it's so different from what i thought you would do right yeah like that and that's why i ask um so you've been in it in a while. Um, what's your biggest surprise? Like, what didn't you see coming? Or did you have a pretty good idea of what this, how this career would play out? Or, you know, whether it's good or bad, is there something that's kind of caught you off guard?
1: Um, yeah, I think my biggest surprise is um, I, I was more inclined uh, to leadership than I ever thought so uh, I think, for example, not to put you on the spot, you're a leader, right? I have an older brother, Chucky. He's a leader. You know, I just I look at a lot of leaders. Um, But I think that some of that just kind of fell onto me and I didn't expect that Uh, a little more responsibility than I was anticipating. Uh, I mean, I always thought it would be just kind of sort of I want to be in a quiet space doing my own thing. Uh, Just tell me what to do kind of thing but i think there's just been a lot more kind of natural leadership that's transpired and i didn't expect that
0: okay but it's been fun so everybody wants different things out of their career their job like what would you say the two or three non-negotiables are for you like i mean i don't even like freedom i mean do you have freedom um i i'm compensation uh yeah. politics like are what are the things sure. that you get out of your career that you're like i'm really glad that these are part of what i do
1: sure uh well work-life balance it's the highest priority for me um uh i i think we have to have a lot of fun as adults and i don't think we should ever stop having fun um i did recently golf is a more recent thing right so i've been playing more seriously for about a year and two months. And by the way, I'm horrible. Um, but even that little bit of fun throughout your day, throughout your week, something different, uh, just to mix it up, just puts your mind in a good spot. Uh, I I played with a bike polo team. It's mountain bike polo, which is really fun, too. So those little injections of, of something totally different. So you ask, what are my priorities? And work-life balance is number one. Uh, I need time with my family. Uh when I first started, I was traveling a lot and I changed that. My my kids are growing up. So work-life balance, uh, family, um, I'd say, you know, intellectual stimulation to a certain degree is is for me. Um I, I mean, I compensation, that's kind of a tough one, right? It certainly had nothing to do with my uh choices for work. There was I didn't think about that at all. And, and I started and and the world may completely disagree with me, you know, um, but that wasn't whatever I was, you know, that certainly didn't drive any choices for better or for worse.
0: So in your line of work, uh, and I'm not at all asking like what you That's make, okay. but I think yeah, it's yeah. really interesting for people to understand how they're compensated. So mm-hmm. sales commission, like, mm-hmm. are you, are you, a W-2 employee that gets a base salary, or yeah. are you pays based on the project that you're working on?
1: It's, uh well, certainly W-2, okay. um, but the national labs are outstanding at recognizing hard work. And so, uh, again, I think I said this earlier. I mean, I basically, after high school, I just kicked around for a long time, not quite sure what I was going to do, played music, traveled, all these sort of things. Um but when i went back to school got my graduate degree i was really serious and focused and so the national labs are an outstanding place to recognize someone that wants to work hard and you're on a really quick tra- you know you're on a quick trajectory to to make your way up uh, you know as far as you want to go and yeah. it's, it's been an awesome awesome place to work
0: and so is there an average size like is it 500 employees 100 employees 50
1: yep so pnnl actually has 8000 it's okay. one of the larger national labs. Okay. Um, but they're all in the order of several thousand. I think uh Lawrence Livermore is probably one of the smallest. Um, but but PL is, is quite large.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. I know your daughter's 19, my daughter's 18. Mm-hmm. You know, sooner or later they're gonna start thinking about life and careers. Yeah. Um, well, like what's your advice? Let's just say your daughter was struggling, like, <laughs> dad, I don't I really don't know what I want to do. And you know, yeah. kids can take it hard, you know, or even people yeah. in their thirties and forties. What's your advice to an audience that maybe they think they're interested in kind of what you're doing or the flavor, flavor of it, yeah. but just overall advice uh, for somebody that's coming out of college, maybe has some school debt, the pressures of social media. Like, sure. I mean, I, we didn't have that back in the day, but like, just yes. kind of like comparing yourself to other people, like, wh- what would you say to somebody to try to get clear on what they should be doing or how, how they should maybe choose a career.
1: Sure. Yeah. I, I, I'll just address the, the overall question, but I would like to talk about my kids after that. If I have time, you can edit it out or whatnot, but I had heard one time, and I'd like to know who said this, but it was out of your top two hobbies, make a living at the second one and keep the first one as your main hobby. And that has been so true for me throughout my life. I just can't a- explain it. Um, but I'm also coming from the uh, from the vantage point of someone who is a is a, is just a, a hobbyist and, and, you know, really likes to do a lot of different things. But but that has been so, so true for me. Um, It's like, and you said it earlier, what would you naturally do on a day off? What would you, what do you want to do? And then find a way to make a living at that. and, and so data science sounds incredibly boring to you. Uh, you know, I mean, finance sounds boring to me uh, growing up, but I know there's a lot of love and passion for economics and the way numbers work and the way businesses work. And so uh, it, not to say that someone's love is going to be music or outdoors or something. It can be anything, right? Um, but again, what I heard and what constantly goes through my mind, which is works, and I tell my kids is find your favorite things to do right and 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 find a way to make a living at one of those things because you can absolutely do it uh i think we're really privileged to live in the united states where 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 that can come true is as, as cliche and corny as it sounds right it's it's land of opportunity and dreams uh so yeah um well, I, by I the way, way
0: i don't do think what you do is Boring. I don't know anything about what you do, so <laughs> no, I don't want you to. Okay. I don't want you to think the host is uh, no, calling no. your career boring. No, no. Uh, no. And by and by the way, finance <laughs> is boring. Uh, what I do, it's not. I mean, here's a problem. Like what I do, like like I'm different than you. We're all we all have our unique skills, and so what I don't get to do is be me in my career. Like I, the things that maybe if you were to describe Dirk, mm-hmm. those aren't necessarily like, um moving the meter or moving the, like, I, I, I'm in a very commoditized business where there's mm-hmm. a lot of people that do what I do. And a lot of the things that make me unique don't really get used in my career. And so for me, I like, I'm like, I have these tools, these mm-hmm. things that I naturally am and I want to use more of them. So mm-hmm. like, I like interviewing. Oh, I see. I see. A- and That's so, it. and I like what I do, but like, yeah. it's not, yes. a, it's not like I'm super passionate. I just like right. to help people, you know, and, and I like to help certain kinds of people that see value in me. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, you're right. Financing can get boring. Um, but I think that, that it's, it's important to think about these things because yeah. people pursue careers, but they don't know what the lifestyle is behind it. If right. you were to kind of rewind the clock, go back to U of A, knowing what you mm-hmm. know, would you have done it the same way or would you have changed it up a
1: little bit? Uh, exactly the same. I don't think I would have changed anything. In fact, I would have rewound all the way to post high school and I still would have taken the time off I did before I went back to school. Right. Yeah. I would have done the same thing. And we're talking about a 10 to 15 year period of uh, I mean, I, I wasn't bummed by any means. I was responsible, but I traveled a lot, hiked a lot, climbed a lot. Uh, and, I, and I wouldn't change that at all. And in fact, when I interview people, those are the questions I ask them, because we get a lot of applicants straight out of uh, high school to college to intern internship to the lab and they may be 21 or 22 but i'm always interested in that person that's 26 28 and or 30 and i say well what did you do and and so sometimes they get well i you know i was a guide here i worked in retail i worked in food and, and i like that i'm more inclined to hire that um to be to be real honest with you um okay just because they got some of that stuff. But no, I think your your first question is from college on when I have done the same thing. Yeah, I think, I think absolutely I wouldn't have, have changed anything. And 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 that's what I encourage. I try to encourage my kids, you know, but but they'll do whatever you don't say. So I I gotta do something.
0: No, I get it. Are you
1: different.
0: do you have freedom? Like you said, life work balance, but like, can you shut it off at five or six or whatever? And then just like go golfing and not have to check your phone. Or are you in a career that you're always looking at your phone?
1: I don't do any work from my phone. I've, I've never, we have the option to put the app on our phone and all that stuff. I don't answer phone call. There's one person. Oh, well, there may be two that have my cell phone, but in nine years, I've been contacted three times
0: okay. on my
1: cell phone. Um, and so, yeah, I, I I shut it off. I do work nights because there's some of the work that's kind of creative and interesting, and I'll do it a little bit at night. Um, but I, I think I've learned um, to not, you know, get work obsessed. I mean, we all work a lot. <laughs> Tell. And sometimes it goes from fun to being work, right? Yep, yep. So but that's if I was to play the guitar for you know 10 straight hours, the first hour and a half would be fun. And the the last six and a half hours wouldn't be as much fun. So yeah, I think that's the way that's the way it is. Yeah, but but I can shut it off. So.
0: Uh and then like do you get to take a, a few weeks off a year or a month? Oh, yeah. Like so you have so, the freedom.
1: Yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah, yeah. There was, and when I was doing more travel with work, it was pretty interesting. I would, I would worked in the Philippines for quite a bit, which was really fascinating. Of course, in in uh, DC area and Puerto Rico, a couple times. So that was kind of a a blend of work and travel that was that was really enlightening. Um, but but essentially, uh, I'm sort of self employed on my own. I'm my own independent consultant in a large lab. So you basically work when you want, you work when you want, and you get the job done. So there's no, there are no set hours. There isn't, there isn't anything uh, constraining.
0: Can you work out of your home or do you have to go into an office?
1: I, you know, when the whole COVID thing hit, of course, we all worked out of our homes uh, for a while. I worked out of my RV for a couple months. Our family just RV'd around. I did that at national parks. Uh, I like to go into the office now, though, because I don't like working from home as much. It sort of, it takes the part of being home out of it.
0: Yeah, I get it. But I do have an
1: office I go into.
0: Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you being so intimate and aware of what you do since it's what you do, me not being that aware, is there anything that I haven't asked or anything on the tip of your tongue? that you think would be really important for the audience to know if they're interested in this this direction? Um, So I wanna make sure like I'm addressing the important stuff and I might not even be asking about the important stuff.
1: Uh, I think, I mean, to your credit, I I think you did a great job at asking those questions. I don't think you miss anything big. I mean, even my own kids, they're always like, I don't get what you do, dad. I, uh, you probably know more about what I do than my wife does now. And we've been married 24 years. <laughs> this so it's a, it's hard to explain sometimes. So
0: Yeah, no, I'm just curious. If um, yeah. I do ask my guest, and I kind of think I might know the answer. I always ask them, let's just say what you do, your career, your industry was off the table. You couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your dream? Oh, I couldn't about- do it. You can't, you oh. can't, you can't play the safe and say, ah, I'm doing what my dream job is, Dreamers. but what is like, like, what would be like bliss for you?
1: So I would certainly go back to music. I would, I would love to, to do that. Right. I mean, that, that's my, that's my favorite and I'm still working on doing that. I'm my youngest daughter and I are working on an album together right now and uh it's hard to be a 52 year old star you know mm-hmm. but uh, she's 14 so <laughs> um so i listen to like you know i love classical music i also like film score quite a lot so and i still hope to do that and and i'm kind of pursuing that still so uh in music
0: yeah, yeah. you would laugh but you know my answer is writing film scores that's oh, really okay yeah, yeah, the problem is I don't have your talent, but all I do is listen to film scores, like I'll sit by the fire or, you know, what I just, and I've had two guests on, um, a guy named Matteo Messina. Oh, wow. And, and uh, Hummy mm. Mann, who are both really well-known composers for movie oh, wow. scores. Yeah. And so I was really excited to get into the weeds cool. with them and understand yeah. the life behind that. Um, do you have a favorite score that you can think of or do you, is that too hard of a question?
1: Oh, gosh. It would probably be some of the Hans Zimmer hands stuff. You know the movie Inception? Yep. I thought that score was phenomenal. It, it's, it's a little less uh conventional, right? Um Oh, gosh, there's a couple other scores I just absolutely love. I probably couldn't get them all on the top of my head. But it's amazing how prolific someone like Uh, Hans Zimmer's been you know writing the scores yeah Um, yeah he's he's really good yeah no I I listen to him there's a classical music day where they just play film scores and talk through them um oh that that goes uh without saying of course the um uh I'm drawing a blank star wars uh uh John Barry no no John John Williams Williams
0: oh Williams yeah sorry
1: yeah i mean he's just in the early days of movies the way he timed the score with the scene and how he did it was just a piano a pencil and a metronome and a stopwatch that that just blows me away i just that's that's so cool yeah so. i love it do
0: you know who ennio I, I always butcher his last name marconi do you know who that uh is? yes
1: yes yes yeah, i've heard the name
0: so he's my favorite he's done like cinema Paradiso. Okay. uh a lot of italian uh i uh pa, 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 i think he did the mission with robert De Niro. uh but yeah it was really interesting because there's different um skill sets in that world where you might get hired because you're more um electronic or more yeah. horror film or more whatever but um okay well i'm going to put you on the spot with one last question oh no here we go uh you're
1: you're <laughs> my, on- handi- my, my golf handicap no, no, we don't have to talk. I,
0: I, I love golf too, but I'm not very good. I, um, it's way
1: up in the double digits, so I just leave it at that. That's okay.
0: <laughs> you got room to grow, get better. So you, you have three bands. You can only listen. Oh. To, you're on an island. And oh, no. you can only listen to three to bands. This. Who would they be?
1: Does it have to be, band? It has to be a band, not an individual? You could do
0: individual. Okay.
1: Uh someone I've really been into right now is an artist named Jamie Jamie Collum. Okay. Young guy. He does a lot of classic jazz, but his version of pop music is awesome. Uh and out of like our out of like our notorious, very popular bands, I gotta go with the Beatles. I just do. There's yeah. so many. They they reinvented themselves so many times in slightly different flavors and Oh, I just, you know, I just, those guys are me. So I've only got one more choice. Um, God. No, I've got to go with something uh, a little older Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> yeah, there's a yeah. great,
0: there's a cover of this girl. She sings one of the Fleetwood, it's one of the best covers I've ever heard. I think she's one of the top YouTubers, but uh, I'll send you that link uh, later Very today. Cool. Mine are Pink Floyd um zeppelin and neil diamond nice um, cool yeah that's i kind of like the mix um uh, but yeah. beatles was our top five yeah um but i only asked for three but hey pat i really appreciate it yep. um yep. you're a great guy and i, I hope yep. to see more of you i think you're only about two and a half hours away from me yep. so we, we need yep. to find some time to go hit the ball and, i um, really hope so Yep. I would love that, but I appreciate you coming on. I think you, I mean, I I learned a lot and I know the audience will as well. So have a great day. And I know we'll uh, talk soon. Thanks much. All right.